0: church family uh today we're going to go through our little quick study through exodus 29 this is the the consecration of the priest section um chapter 28 these uh if you remember from Monday. This is we really like what the um, what the priest was supposed to look like, and all the jewels and and garments that they're supposed to wear. Uh, supposed to symbolize that this beauty that is from the Lord for the people uh, to know that uh, the person that's supposed to be in between them and God uh, is something someone that's unique. <clears throat> and the, this garment is be skillfully woven and made so that the priest is supposed to stand out. Uh, the priest was not. Uh, was set was already set apart in by the fact that he is supposed to be from a spe- specific line, a specific lineage. <clears throat> but it goes beyond that, and that they're supposed to visibly look different because you know you can't really look at someone know what what bloodline they're from. But for priests, they are supposed to be a, a group of people that are called out from one particular line that will look different because their god is different. Uh, that's chapter twenty eight. When we get to chapter twenty nine, this is really the consecration. So, in our day, and um. My job here as a pastor, uh, you've, if you remember, there was the um, the uh, the candidating process when I first came, and even Roger. And I think if you were, if you were old enough, uh, you will remember Pastor Henry's too. All of us had to go through these different type of testing and uh, to see if we would uh, be a benefit to this church. And we understand then and even now that the people that the Lord calls to any church is not really because of their skill set or um, because of their ability uh, or the things that they can offer to the church. But we know that sovereignly, it is God who placed the individuals in the position that they're in so that they can do the work of the ministry. In the Old Testament, there's similar things as well. Um, chapter 29 begins by, by actually telling the people that these priests are made uh, by God in the sense that they were created by the Lord under a specific line, but they're also uh, designed uniquely for God's purpose, and that is to be the representative of God to man as well as man to the tr- as well as man to the Lord. Now as we look through this, we're just going to see um, just, uh, just drawing some principles and lessons that we can learn from this. Yet, yeah, we're not New Testament. there are no priests, uh, the literal priesthood in the New Testament sent, in the New Testament uh, because you we know, we are under the New Covenant. but there's still some things that we can learn about what a what a leader is supposed to be um, so let's see uh, chapter 29 verse one now this is what you shall do to them to consecrate them to minister as priests to me take one young bull and two rams without blemish so again this is saying that they're um, these unique priests individuals are set apart They're They're so a unique and different and separated from them and they are um, so and there here's really the uh the consecration or the the process in which you can make a priest Uh, a priest. It's not just like, oh, you're just bloodline, that's it. But then there's also a ritual that goes behind it to make the person holy and distinct. And this is what uh, God expects. Verse 2, an unleavened bread, uh, unleavened cakes, mixed with oil, and unleavened wafers, spread with oil, and you shall make them a fine wheat flour. You shall put them in one basket and present them in one basket, along with the bull and two rams. Then you shall bring Aaron and his sons to the doorway of the tent of meeting, and wash them with water. So again, this is all um, this is just the formality of this meal and as well as that they need to clean themselves and you know be, be pure and, and and you know un- just yeah be clean verse 5 you shall take the garments and put on air the tunic and the robe of the ephod and the ephod and the breastplate and the gird with this skillfully woven band of the ephod you shall set the turban on his head and put the holy crown on the turban then you shall take the anointing oil and pour it on his head and anoint him you shall bring his sons and put tunics on him. You shall gird them with sashes, Aaron and his sons, and bind caps on them, and they shall have the priesthood be a perpetual st- statue. Uh, so you shall ordain Aaron and his sons. So again, Moses is being given this instruction, how basically here's the first line of the priests. And the point of this is that the priests <coughs> are to dress differently. Uh, they have a, a ritual that's different from the rest, and they, they themselves have to look unique um, so they can stand out. Uh, and the true priests were born into these roles. They are born into these positions. Um, and again, just a lesson that we can learn from here is that all leaders in the church are not there because they, because of their skill set or because of whatever they think. It's always because the Lord has placed them there. And that's very humbling, for, for at least for me, to think about because we understand that if that's the case, if God is the one who placed you there, there's a stewardship that comes with it. As one of the pastors and elders here, I understand that my all that I've been learn all the things I've learned, all the things I've trained, is designed with one particular purpose and that is to help be an instrument of the Lord to help build and feed the church building a sense of uh, teaching God's Word so the people of God will know who He is and to desire and love Him more. And, and that's really my, my main job. My main priority is to teach them God's Word, teach the people God's Word, and to pray for them. Everything else is is, is you know secondary, whether some sort of administrative thing or some sort of event plan. These things uh, take like second and third position when it comes in relative to the teaching and preaching of God's Word and even praying for the people. Uh, that uh, that are in our church. That is our duty, and um, we're set apart for that. That also means that as an elder and pastor, this isn't to um, you know, force some sort of like you know, authoritative rule over the church. But we understand that um, every leader that's above you, every leader that, that every elder, every pastor, they are there because God wants them to be. So when people again complain, just my, like the old says, when they complain about their leaders, essentially they really complain to the Lord. Um, this is not say that the, uh, the teachers are impervious to critiques or anything like that. But understand that uh, out of a complaining heart to people is ultimately a complaining heart to the Lord. Uh, because the, the Lord is one who placed his leaders there. Uh, they are set apart to do a particular task. And if they do it well, then the Lord honors them. If they are not, then the Lord will judge them for it. Verse 10. Then you shall bring the bull for the tent of meeting Aaron and his son, and shall lay their hands on their head of the bull. You shall slaughter the bull before the Lord at the doorway of the tent of meetings. You shall take some of the blood of the bull and put it on the horns of the altar with your finger and you shall pour out all the blood at the base. You shall take all the fat that covers the entrails and lobe of the liver and two kidneys and the fat that is on them and offer them smoke to the altar. So the priest uh, needed to have their own sins forgiven before they can do the work of the priest. That's what this whole situation is. There's will go, um, you know, uh, uh, they, they shall slaughter this animal there, and then they will, you know, cl- like sprinkle blood all over themselves in these different places, and and offer that animal as a sacrifice, and this will be burned completely, unlike some of the animals that we see later on in like uh, the end of this chapter. This animal is supposed to be burned absolutely completely. It's not supposed to be some sort of symbolic meal between God and the priest. All of it needs to be taken because. Uh, and none of it could be kept because all this is a, this is for the atonement of their sins. The priests themselves are not perfect individuals. They are fallen people as well. And they themselves first need to make sure that they are right before the Lord before they get to the ministry of God. Again, this is just a lesson for us as uh, leaders in the church. If you're listening to this and you're a Sunday school teacher and if you're... Um, you know, teach, if you're a leader of a fellowship group, if you're teaching in any capacity, understand that there, you first need to apply it to your life. In other words, you need to be holy before you command other people to be holy yourselves. Uh, this is just something that, um, that, you know, this is why I think pastors, uh, one of the qualifications for pastors is that they need to be above reproach because the implication is that when they're spending all this time studying God and, and trying to know God's word, they should first and foremost put it in their own heart. They need to apply it to their life before they go and tell other people. Or if they're struggling with it, at least, um, at least have that kind of humility to acknowledge that they're working through as opposed to preaching without any impact in the preacher's life. And because the first and foremost that God expects of the leader is to be holy people. And that's what God is is, is doing here. God expects a priest to be holy before they can do um, uh, the, the job of, of making the nation holy. Uh, in order for, the, to, to, for them to be holy, they have to keep offering these sacrifices for them. And first they need to sacrifice animals themselves first before they could go and, um, and do the work of the priest to make the nation a holy, and, uh, a nation of priests and a holy nation. Verse 14, But the flesh of the bull and his hide and his refuge you shall burn with the fire outside the camp. It is a sin offering. You shall take the one ram and Aaron and his son and shall lay their hand on the head of this ram. You shall slaughter the ram and shall take his blood and sprinkle it around the altar. You shall cut the ram into its pieces and wash its entrails and its legs and put them into pieces on its head. You shall offer up in smoke the whole ram of the altar as a burnt offering to the Lord. It is a soothing aroma, an offering by fire to God. Um, nothing was to be kept, everything was to be destroyed. It's, we, it's supposed to be, uh, the worshipers can't keep it, the priests aren't allowed to keep it. And uh, when they're, <coughs> in verse 15, when they will to put the hand on this ram, uh, the head of the ram, it's supposed to be a symbolic gesture, meaning the transfers of sin. Uh, this should be familiar because at the end of the Exodus, you know, when they're, oh, not the end. Of the ex, well, the beginning of the exodus, they're about to leave Egypt. That's what they did. They're going sort to of pray over the animals, um, and even Jesus did something similar in the, you know, the Passover meal. So it would be this idea of praying over uh, uh, this animal, uh, you know, the bread. You know, this, these are all ways in which you're saying, like this. This will sort of symbolize something greater than what it seems. So when they're supposed to put the, a hand on the animal, the head of the animal, they're saying that this animal is now uh, being taken as um, a representation of, of the person. They're gonna, this animal will die in the place of the priest. Again, we know this to uh, only be a temporary thing. It was not meant to be permanent. That's why they keep having to act, uh, sacrifice animals over and over again, because once they have a certain amount of sin atoned, they're going to create more sin in their own life, and they need another sacrifice. Um, and That's why this job of the priest is just ongoing. It just doesn't stop, because there's always going to be sin in the camp, and there always needs a priest and animals to die so that the people can uh, be made right with the Lord. Uh, verse 19 Then you shall take the other ram and, and Aaron, and his sons shall lay their hand on the head of the ram. You shall slaughter the ram, and take some of its blood, and put it on the lobe of Aaron's right ear, and the lobe of his son's right ears, and the thumbs of their right hand, and the big toes of their feet, and sprinkle the rest of the blood around the altar. And this is uh, symbolic ears meaning that their ears are going to be consecrated to hear god's word uh that th- uh, that they're always going to listen in and know what god has to say you know because sometimes there's going to be um and thumims, and they're going to, have to learn uh from you know the, the torah so they you know in the back then they didn't have like uh it wasn't like something that they had to read all the time but that they were taught it so had to hear god's word when it's taught to them when it, when it's talk about the the right hands or that means the their hands will be consecrated when they're making the animal sacrifices. It's supposed to be that their hands are pure, that they're, they're giving up clean hands and clean hearts. And in all that they do as a priest, uh, they're supposed to uh, uh, do things for, uh, to the glory of God. And It goes to feet as well, wherever the priest goes. Because uh, this is not just for one area. The priests will be scattered throughout all the twelve tribes. There's not just one location. That's why the priest doesn't actually have property. The priests will live amongst all the people, and then the people are supposed to take care of the priests, and then wherever they go, they have to, uh, whether they listen to God's word or do the things God, or, or go to minister for God, they are supposed to be holy people. Verse 21, Then you shall take some of the blood that is on the altar, and some of the anointing oil, and sprinkle it on Aaron, and his, on his garments, and on his shoes, on his sons, and his sons' garments with him. So, So, he and his garments shall be consecrated as well as his sons, and his sons' garments with them. You shall also take the fat from the ram, and the fat tail, and the fat of the covers of entails, and the lobe of the livers, and two kidneys, and the fat that is on them, and the right thigh, for it is a ram's ordination, uh, and one cake of bread, and one cake of bread mixed with oil, and one uh, and one water wafer from the basket of unleavened bread, which is set before the Lord. And you shall put all these in the hands of Aaron, in the hands of his sons. and shall wave them as a wave offering before the Lord shall take them take them from their hand and offer them up in the smoke of the altar of the burnt offering for a soothing room before the Lord It is an offering by fire to the Lord. So what is all this again this is just part of the the ritual of like offering everything to the Lord so that he can accept a sacrifice um, and that's just the summer that's just kind of like a summer, summation of what that portion is uh, from 26 to 39. Um, you will see that, this, that the whole priest, the whole person must be cleansed. It's not just simply like um, just like aspects of them or the clothing, everything about them. That's why the clothes need to be washed. Uh, they themselves need to be consecrated. Everything about them needs to be holy. Uh, not one aspect of them can be uh, left out because God is holy, and he only wants holy people to be with him. Verse 26, then you shall take the breast of Aaron's ram of ordination and wave it as a wave offering before the Lord, and it shall be your portion. You shall consecrate the breast of the wave offering and the thigh of the heave offering which have which was waved and which was offered from ram of ordination from the one which was for Aaron and one and from the one which was for his sons. It shall be for Aaron, his sons, as their portion forever. From the sons of israel for it is a heave offering and it shall be a heave offering from the sons of israel from the sacrifices of their peace offering even their heave offering to the lord to the holy garments of aaron shall be for his sons after him that in them they may be anointed and ordained for seven days the one of his sons who is a priest in is in his stead shall put them on when he enters the tent of meeting to minister in the holy place so this is the 29 and 30 i mean like this whole section again is to make sure that the priest as a whole everything about them from the he- top of their head to the bottom of their toe to one length of hand to the other to, to the clothes and every part of them this will be holy In verse, verse 29 and 30 speaks of how you basically at one point they're gonna have to transfer this to someone else right like they're gonna have to give this garment this priestly garment a shiny armor thing to to the next generation and he's supposed to wear it for seven days so that people can get used to seeing him that this is the priest you know like. Um, you might recognize a person's face with the priest but then when they put someone else on they make sure that okay this guy really is the priest uh, he's a new guy that's going to ro- fill the role that's what's going on here that there's for seven days one of his sons will keep it on so that people know that they are the priest uh, verse 31 you shall take the ram of ordination boil its flesh in a holy place aaron and his son shall eat the flesh of the ram and the bread that is in the basket at the door of the tent of meetings Thus they shall eat those things by which atonement was made at their ordination and consecration, but a layman shall not eat them because they are holy. And if anyone and if any of the flesh of our nation or any of the bed remains until uh, morning, then you shall burn the remainder with fire. It shall not be eaten because it is holy. So this is weird, like why does why is this part there's these animals or there, these food that's like uniquely for the priests? It's basically because God said so. Uh, whereas before, that some animal thing has to be burned up, but there's is a separate one where they were, the, the priests are allowed to eat it, and only the priests, only the priests are allowed to eat it. It's not supposed to be for anyone else because uh, the food is holy, it's consecrated to be holy, and the, the priest is is supposed to be the holy one. So that that means if they're they're able to do, they're able he they're able to consume because they themselves are, are made unique. Thus you shall do to Aaron and his sons according to all that I have commanded you. You shall ordain them through seven days. Each day you shall offer a bull as a sin offering for atonement. You shall purify the altar when you make atonement for it, and you shall anoint it to consecrate it. For seven days you shall make uh, atonement for the altar and consecrate it, and the altar shall be most holy, and whatever touches the altar shall be holy. Uh, This is interesting because... Now it goes from like, okay, the garment, what he's supposed to wear and the person, the priest has to be uh, um, you know, holy. Now the altar itself has to be holy. So there's like this cleansing ritual that goes from every aspect of the priest. Again, this is, seems like a very hard work, but this is, is designed because God wants the people to know that this is what he expects. This is what he expects because sin is exacting and God is exacting God when it comes to the area of sin. God, and in worship, God wants to be worshiped a particular way he wants worship to be a particular way, and he's going to get it. And he, And through their obedience, through the priest's obedience, and Israel's uh, obedience, then the people will be blessed by the Lord. And just a little uh, side note. In verse 37, it says that when they touch it they shall be holy. This is a weird thing in English, because that's not what it, what it's not what you think it means. What, you, what it sounds like is like, oh, if you touch it, then you yourself will be holy. There isn't that type of transference, when you touch some sort of holy thing, that you are to be holy. Rather, it's the opposite. They are not allowed to touch it because they're not holy. Because if they touch it, then they will die. Uh, you know, the 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 only holy people that are consecrated are allowed to go near the altar and touch it. Um, and we, you know, we see this in in uh, Second Samuel, Uzzah and the Ark of the Covenant. You know, people. There's only certain types of people that could touch it. The Ark of the Covenant tipped over. Uzzah thought that like, oh, I can touch it because I didn't want the, the ground to be, you know, make the dirt that make the Ark dirty. But instead, they Uzzah touched it. He dies because he presumed that his hand is cleaner than the floor and this is the same idea here all of these things that the lord expects of them that they are uh, uniquely tasked to do this and even everything uh, everything the the altar the priest the garment everything will be holy and uh, only specific people and god has specific instructions on how he wants to be worshiped and how and what the priests are supposed to be verse 38 now that now this is what you shall offer on the altar two one-year-old lambs each day continuously so this is the word continues always there's we'll do this every single time every single day uh two uh, okay the one lamb you shall offer in the morning and the other lamb you shall offer at twilight and there shall be one tenth of an ephod and fine flour mixed with one fourth of the hin of uh, bean oil and one fourth of a hin of wine for a drink offering with one lamb the other lamb you shall offer at twilight and uh, shall offer it with the same grain offering and same drink offering as morning for a soothing or most pleasing by fire to the Lord. So this part here is interesting because they're supposed to offer an animal in the beginning of the day and the end of the day. And it's supposed to be like this idea that every, every time, day and night, beginning and the end, there's always going to be sin. There always needs to be sacrifices to be have made. And it's supposed to be a constant reminder of the sinfulness that's inside the heart of the people of Israel. They need to always remember that they are sinners. Now, this is something that our culture hates. Our culture hates to be reminded of the fact that they are sinners in need of reconciliation with the Lord. They always think in terms, in terms of, oh, this misunderstanding. Um, there's some sort of history behind it. There's some story that they need to be known. But in reality, it's because they're they're really all sinners. And these sinners, all of us, include, need to be constantly reminded of the fact that we need salvation. And as New Testament Christians, that's why the gospel should be rich for us every single day because we realize how quick and how easy it is for us to fall. Whenever we fall into sin, whenever we sin, even a little bit of sin in our life and every single day, it should be a constant reminder why we need Jesus Christ, because He is the only one that is this perfect sacrifice that paid for all of our sins. And whenever we're uh, uh, you know, upset at our spouse, whenever we're rude to our kids, whenever we're mean to our parents, whenever we're not nice to our friends, whenever we um, uh, do any sort of sin from great to small or fail to do what we're supposed to do, uh, these are all errors in which we fall short of God's glory. But because of Christ, we know that we don't need to constantly uh, be reminded of our sin, but we need to also be reminded as well of the grace that God has shown us in the life of Jesus Christ. Verse 42, It shall be a continual burnt offering throughout your generation at the doorway of the Tent of Meetings before the Lord, where I will meet you to speak to you there. I will, meet, I will meet there with the sons of Israel, and it shall be consecrated by my glory. I will consecrate the Tent of Meetings and the altar. I will also consecrate Aaron and his sons to minister as priests to me. I will dwell among the sons of Israel and will be their God. They shall know that I am Yahweh, their God who brought them out of the land of Egypt and uh, that I might dwell among them. I am Yahweh their God. So this closing part in chapter 29, is just to remind them that like, the reason why we're doing this is because I need you, I need you and other people to know that I am the one true God that you worship. I am the one that you're following. And you do all these things because I am the one who saved you from the land of Egypt. Again, this is a reminder for us too. When, why do we live the way that we live? Why do we live holy lives? Why do we live differently? Why do we talk differently? Why do we dress differently? Why do we go to church on Sunday? Why do we do any of the things that we do that's so different from the world? Why do we live for someone else instead of our own? It's because we understand that we were saved. We are saved because, not because of any of our good works, just like Israelites. We're not saved because of anything that's uh, that, uh, in some sort of ability or usefulness no, none of that. The reason why the Israelites were saved back then, the reason why we we're saved now, is because of God's grace. God's grace is the reason why uh, we can be set apart, why we even primarily can be holy. Because without the Lord, we were all sinful people, separated by God, and at best we can just do all these ritual sacrifices for the atonement of our sins. But we can't even do that now because we, you know, because of Christ primarily uh, that He died for our sins. But even for the you know the Jews now, they think that they can. Uh, do all their sacrifices but they can't because they don't have the temple they don't have the priest they don't even know who the priests are uh, but they're still doing these things because they're lost in their sin and we were the same way we might not have bought, bought into judaism but we had other things that we loved more than the lord but the moment we're saved we're set apart uniquely for the lord and this is just what the lesson learned i think for us when we study portions like this for uh, um, portion like this in scripture is that we are called to be different just because just like the priests are called to be different, just like Israel are called to be different. Our lives should look radically different from the rest of the world because we worship a holy God. And by holy, it's not something like, like we, we understand holy in a very trivial way, like, oh, it's so sacred and we can't look at and touch. And that's true. But holy me, holiness means way more than that, that he's so different. He's like, I think one person described like a jewel inside of a glass box, like a protective shield. You know, it's because they're so unique and distinct and they're so set apart. God is like that. He's in a category entirely of its own. We are all common, sinful people, but God entered into the world and lived that perfect life for us. He became common in a sense by putting on humanity, living that perfect life, and then dying on the cross for our sins, being that one sacrifice that atones for all of our sins so that we can be made holy before the Lord, so that we can be like him in that way separated from the rest of the world so here's a lesson for us and i hope that this caused you to think about how you live your life that it should be different from your neighbors that are not christians if your life is too similar is, is too similar to your co-workers or your classmates and there's something wrong with your christianity if, if it looks too much like them then there needs to be a repentance in your life because that isn't christianity christian doesn't look like the world it's separate and different just because just like how our God is separate and unique from all of creation. That's the lesson for today, thanks for listening. Uh, Friday we'll just go over the next chapter and we'll kind of just slowly work our way through the rest of this book. Thanks for listening, take care and have a great day.